On this week's episode of Freight Up, all eyes on oil as the Russian invasion continues to rock the market. We'll explore why crude is finding some support while the spreads are misbehaving. All this and more on Freight Up. Hello and welcome to Freight Up. My name's Fernanda and I'll be your host as we navigate the seas of freight and commodities. Today we have a long-awaited steel update from your favorite steel broker, Joshua Stern. Archie Smith with your oil news. Carrie Deal bringing us all things freight. Now let's get into this week's episode. Freight Up! Let's talk about steel with Joshua Stern. Josh, in the words of Linda Ronstadt, it has been a long, long time. So tell us, going back to what you branded as a bit of a summer lull, what's behind this? I mean, the summer lull, it's its nothing that's out of the norm. August tends to be a pretty, yeah, kind of the August, July months tend to be pretty quiet anyways in the steel sector. Kind of start to see a little bit more interest and have come back into play as we head out into September and closer to Q4 there. So This isn't anything that's kind of abnormal, but yeah, it has been extremely quiet. I mean, of course, most of that is going to be various different people are off on vacation. The decision makers are off on vacation. People don't want to take risk on while they know that they're about to be sitting at the beach with a Mai Tai for two weeks, right? Essentially, what you're kind of seeing is lots of people aren't in the office right now. There is, there's been a complete slowdown in the physical markets as well, which in turn has also affected the flow that we're seeing in the derivative market. There's nobody who really has anything to do at this point in time. Now, although I branded it a summer lull, we did have a very, very, very active end to last week. I think Monday through Wednesday of last week were pretty much dead until about Wednesday afternoon when we got the CRU Midwest HRC release in, which came in at 823. So it was down 62 bucks last week. This was very interesting because at that point, like the August USHRC contract was trading at about 970. The minute that that release came out, you really started to see the price come off and really plummet. I mean, we're now trading at about 832 there in SEP. Yeah, and about 850 in AUG. So really came off pretty hard. A lot of that was very strongly attributed to that release. We've got another release, of course, today, expecting it to stay a little bit more in line with where we're at right now. So don't expect to have a ton of, or I would say a large movement today or a ton of action. But Last week's CRU release definitely, definitely moved the market. You saw people from, from all various different types of uh, from backgrounds coming in. So whether that be funds or physical service centers or even physical traders that were coming in, when price shot up to 970 there, you actually had a lot of guys coming in and buying. And we almost felt that that big move was also driven by people closing out short positions and just being like, okay, I need to close my short. Where is the market? And because that's why we saw pretty aggressive buying. So I think at the end of the day, the markets have really calmed down this week. Curves seem to be much flatter. They seem to be much more in line with kind of expectation. Last week, again, you know, with AUG that high and everything pretty much trading above 900, there was a really only one way that price could go and everyone was kind of aware of that. But again, you know, when, when people are caught short and need to close out their positions, it's going to drive prices up as well. So the other active contract has really been the LME scrap contract. Although we haven't seen a ton of flow coming through in the derivative market, we have seen a couple deals go through on the physical markets around the 355 zone, 360 zone. So again, we're pretty we're pretty flat on the scrap. It's it seems to be at a level that people are comfortable with. There does seem to be a bit more downward pressure. Italy just came out with some with a mandate saying that they will not allow scrap to be exported any longer. And if so, one has to get certain licenses and such. 
but this is because they are considering scrap to essentially be a critical material for their steelmaking industry going forward. Again, I think that this kind of probably actually brought a little bit of positivity into the market because they, they think that there's going to be now less scrap out in the market in Europe. And hence, you started to see prices actually come up a little bit there. So it was quite interesting to see that transition in the scrap curve, especially right now where you know, you've got the front end of the curve, say, if you're looking at August, it's about 358 and a half, 360. But now we're looking out into April 24, and you know, you're trading at about 376 and a half. So you've got about $16 worth of contango markets there to actually play with over the next year. So we are starting to see kind of the back end of the curve move up. I personally, I think that this has a lot to do with rising rates. As long as rates are going to be higher in Europe, okay, of course, that's going to increase your cost of carry. That's going to cost you more to store that material over time. So that's kind of why I think we're starting to see a little bit of a of an increase, especially in bullishness on the back end of the curve as compared to the front end. That's kind of what we've taken away. It's also interesting to note that you know, on a volume basis, actually, here, let me pull these up here. If we kind of look at the various different contracts, I mean, scrap has almost traded about four and a half million tons this year, already year to date. This is an extremely significant value for people because if you're going to be shipping a 30KT, a 40KT cargo at four million tons or four and a half million tons, probably going to be about nine million by the end of the year. Those are officially volumes where it actually makes sense to go out into the market and start using the derivative contract to hedge out your physical risk. If you have 15KT in the yard, and you have a you have a 40 KT cargo coming, you really only actually have about another 25 KT that one would need to hedge. So why not actually kind of look at using the scrap markets to hedge out, say, partially, maybe not the full 25 KT right away, but why not look at hedging out maybe 20% of that and looking at, okay, let me see if I can hedge out 5 KT, 10 KT over this time period. So we're really starting to get to that point now where, yeah, one can really come in and start to hedge out large parts of your cargoes of course, nobody should be hedging out their entire cargo. At that point, you're no longer a trader, right? At that point, you no longer have any price risk on. But it's all about managing that risk and knowing that, okay, I don't have my full notional risk on, but only have maybe I'm protected for, say, 50% of that or 35%, whatever it might be. And it's fascinating to watch this trend develop as you've been predicting the rising importance of scrap for months now. In fact, we have an episode called The Rising Importance of Scrap. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to, obviously, there's there's this big push for green steel right now. There's a big push throughout the, throughout the globe, right, to essentially reduce emissions. And the best way to do that in the steel and scrap industry at the time being is to transition from blast furnaces into electric arc furnaces. Electric arc furnaces are going to be much better for the environment just because they're using, they're using actual steel and, well, actually, they're using scrap, um, steel scrap that has already been manufactured previously, right? That has already been produced previously. So we're not going out and actually causing a further drain on the resources of our planet. So from a green point of view, this is also very beneficial. But from an emissions point of view, it also brings us back to that. We have a pretty large emissions desk here over at Freight Investor Services that my colleague Theo runs. A lot of these polluters are starting to increasingly become aware of the of the risks that they actually have on the emissions side of things as well. So these two things are starting to kind of combine and you're starting to see a real rise in EAFs. Yeah. And the importance of scrap will just only continue to grow going forward. Now oil with Archie Smith. All right, Archie. So let's dive on into the big ticket item, crude. What's going on? 
Crew's really found some support in the past couple of weeks. It's up about 5% on the week at the moment. We touched highs yesterday of over 83.80 per barrel in the front Brent future. And this is kind of really as the market starts to realise the Saudi and Russia voluntary cuts. Russian seaborne exports were down to the lowest level in seven months last month, which is some real evidence that they are really sticking to those pledges that they made about cutting production. And crude found some support in this. I mean, there's a kind of, uh, as another note, there's a little bit of worry about Ukraine and Russia as well, even though it doesn't, not at the minute directly affecting the energy markets, but Ukraine came out last week saying that any Russian ships that are seen in particular regions could be seen as a military target and vice versa. So that's another kind of scare for supply if that escalates any more than it already is. Supply side driven support from low OPEC output, really. And this includes American production stepping up, correct? Yeah, so U.S. oil production has, has ramped up massively this year. They've really stepped up to the plate in the absence of other large players. The Russian oil went out of the market and OPEC has cut production. U.S. oil production is up to about 12.7 million barrels per day. And while this is great, it's not currently enough to counter the supply side factors that are prevalent in the market. Crude's come off a little bit this morning. Uh, I mentioned before that we touched highs of well over $83 per barrel yesterday, almost $84 per barrel. And we've kind of slipped a little bit this morning, trading around $82.50, $82.60 levels. And that's because the U.S. Fed meeting is, is impending and is expected, I mean, the market are expecting a 25-point hike, which again just kind of kills demand, kills any positive sentiment, really. Uh, there is that to play for as well. And that's, I think, why the market has come off a little bit this morning. But I, I don't think that will be anything too long-term. I, I'd actually say that that's already kind of been somewhat priced in. So the other topic of interest this week has been the sing spreads. What's going on there? Well, the sing spreads were, were getting absolutely hammered uh, in the front. So okay. the Augie Sepcot traded down to about $1.25, which is really narrow. And this was just kind of amid expected high regional supply for August and then lower demand for downstream low sulfur bunkers in the near term and this really narrowed that spread to 125 admittedly kind of yesterday it found a bit of a floor at 125 and bounced up to about three dollars which is where we're trading at the minute but I mean that's still a very very low level for the low sulfur front bunk spread people are expecting a lot of cargoes for low sulfur in the Asian region August and then you know September demand not looking too high so it's really kind of brought those prices closer together almost flat something to kind of follow on from that which is an interesting point which I'd like to know the explanation for is you know if the low sulfur spread in the front is so narrow because demand is like you know that low sulfur bunker demand is low and August supplies are uh, in that region are, are supposed to be high then normally we'd think that the low sulfur crack would come off as well. But the low sulfur crack has actually been somewhat prevailing. It's a dollar higher on the week. So last week we were trading around 750 and when I left my desk it was 860 per barrel. So I mean it's just an interesting point I'd like to know the explanation for. It's not something I can really give a, a clear answer for why that is. We often see if cracks are ticking up or, or vice versa. 
But with that, with that spread getting absolutely hammered to around the one dollar mark, but, but for some reason the low sales price has prevailed. Similar things happen in the euro as well. I mean, the euro spreads haven't really been moving around much in the low sell bar, but again, the, we've seen some strength in the crack. Also up about a dollar on the week, and yeah, even this morning trading thirty, forty cents higher on the day. I mean, another kind of reason why it's so unusual is the crude is higher. And normally, crude and cracks have an inverse relationship. We're just having a, a complete violation of expectation this week. <laughs> Nothing good at certain, eh? At the very least, the high sulfur should be behaving normally. We're actually seeing good demand in the high sulfur complex at the minute. The front spreads have, have widened. And, I mean, in the thing high sulfur, all Sep. We're looking at about 12.75 on that spread. The cracks are still at really high levels. This demand comes from a few things. There's a lot of demand for power generation at the minute. So high sulfur fuel oil being used for power generation, especially over the summer to keep air conditioning units, et cetera, et cetera, running. And as well as this, Chinese feedstock demand is, is high at the minute. I've actually got a, quite a crazy statistic for the podcast today. The uh, independent Chinese refineries in June 22, so June last year, they imported 80,000 tons of high sulfur fuel oil in the month. And this year, so June 23, they imported 1.32 million metric tons of high sulfur fuel oil. Whoa. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible jump. I mean, when I saw the statistic, I had to ask the source if they've got the, the figures correct. And they were like, <laughs> they confirmed, yeah. They were like, yes, it really is that much of a jump. And like I said, that's because Chinese feedstock demand is so high at the minute for, for refineries. So it sounds like all eyes are on the oil market this week because you guys are just everywhere. Yes, oil makes the world go round. Well, Archie, at the bare minimum, we got a very clear indication of why you have job security. So we're all very grateful for that. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for the update, Archie. We'll see you next Thank week. Thank you, Fernanda. And now, Freight with Gary Deal. Well, it's a pleasure to be back, Fernanda. You said last week it would be nice to hear me come on the podcast one day with some good news for Freight, not just bearish news. Well, I wouldn't call the situation today positive, but at least it's not 100% bearish this week, not for the big ships. On a weekly basis, Cape Iron Ore shipments last week recovered 8.6% to 28.8 million tons, and bauxite shipments jumped up to a six-week high around 3.8 million metric tons. Coal shipments remained fairly flat. The bauxite news is especially positive, and here's why. For some time, we've been seeing that China is running effectively at maximum capacity on steel production, with blast furnace production close on that 93% level, which is the theoretical high, as I've mentioned before. My concern is centered around the likelihood that this production pace can't be maintained. One factor that could help offset that is increased bauxite exports from West Africa. And look, while we're still in the rainy season right now, any increase is welcome. It's potentially a positive sign for later in the year when the rainy season ends in Q4, but it's too early to make any solid forecast. For now, though, let's focus on the current reality, which is that despite some slight upticks in the past week, a major shift in ton mileage or congestion would probably be necessary to take the capes too far off where they're trading at the moment. There also remains, in my opinion, a very uncomfortable, very deep reliance on hopes of Chinese stimulus to lift either the physical or the paper market. 
On paper, green shoots really started to show on Tuesday this week. And as of Wednesday afternoon, when I'm speaking, we are trading substantially up on the August Cape 5TC contract at 14,450. That's versus 12,875 last Wednesday. The Q4 is up just a touch with value right now 16,075, up a little bit over $400 week on week. The Panamaxes have also seen a little bit of optimism this week. A fresh influx of TA stems has seen some balance return to the North Atlantic, although it is worth noting that the index only really began to lift today, Wednesday, on the physical market. East Coast South America has been a bit more difficult to call, with nearby loading dates remaining under pressure, but some charters are paying a touch over that P6 index for late August dates. In the East, we're finally seeing a touch more inquiry for no pack rounds as well, although whether this can do anything except stabilize the market against that still heavy tonnage list remains to be seen. On paper, some have started to call a floor, with the August 4TC Panamax trading back up to the same levels we saw last Wednesday at 8,525 value today on FIS Live. The Q4 has been a little bit more optimistic, up about $1,000 week on week to 10,775 value now. Thanks a lot, Fernanda. Well, that's it for us this week. Thank you so much for joining us. And next week, you'll be listening to a different voice as I will be off on a lad's weekend of my own following in the footsteps of Archie Smith. But if you miss me, make sure to visit our website, FreightUpPodcast.com, where you can listen to past episodes, read show notes, or even leave us a comment. That's FreightUpPodcast.com. We'll see you next time. Freight Freight up. Up.